Here at Hope Church, uh, once a month, the first Thursday of every month, we have a church prayer meeting where we fill that foyer uh, out there uh, with chairs and we uh, pray for different uh, needs within our church or for different individuals or different events that are happening uh, either in our body or in our culture uh, or around the world. But every once in a while, uh, we bring that Thursday night prayer meeting to Sunday morning and that's what we're going to be doing uh, today. So we're going to be spending an extended period of time praying together as, as a church family. And today, we're going to be praying for uh, students and teachers as they head back to school. And uh, why are we praying for students and teachers? Well, l- let me tell you why. Uh, 40 years ago, in September 1983, I had my first day of school. And, and my first day of school, when I was four years old, was, was a very significant day for me. Uh, two years later, when I went to Camp Minioe, a summer camp that, where I first met Jesus and became a follower of him, I had my, my first day of school, and then two years later, my relationship with Jesus began. And he, here's why we need to pray for students and teachers today. When I went to school as a Christian 40 years ago, the path of following Jesus and my educational path were the same path. There might have been some temptations to, you know, use words that some of my friends were using or do some of the things that my friends were were doing. But as far as what the teachers and the principal and the school board was trying to tell me to live was the same way that Jesus was telling me to live. There was no contradiction. Fast forward 20 years. 20 years ago, I had my first day of school as a public high school teacher in Hamilton. Same thing. My convictions as a follower of Jesus Christ ran completely parallel to how, what, what my code of conduct was supposed to be as a teacher in a public school. Now, I say all of that either to say that I'm really, really old or that our world is rapidly changing and the pressures and the challenges, and also the opportunities for educators, teachers, EAs, administrators, principals, and for students from junior kindergarten all the way through high school and university and PhD and graduate school, the challenges are unparalleled and the opportunities are unparalleled. So getting ready to go to school is no longer like I got pencils and a backpack. It's like, do I have a biblical worldview? And am I founded on what truly matters? Because it is going to be shaken. I went through junior kindergarten all the way to graduate school without any real challenge to my Christian faith. There will be some teachers, some students, depending on the principal or the context or the school, they won't get 15 minutes into Tuesday morning without having to make a choice. Am I gonna follow the way of Jesus? Or am I gonna follow the way of the world? And so that's why we're looking at Psalm 1 today because Psalm 1 lays out these two paths. Did you notice it as Joan read? Joan is a public school teacher. As, as she read Psalm 1 this morning, did you notice those, those two paths? Let me show you what I mean. There's the way of the righteous in verse five and verse six and the way of the wicked. One focuses on the law of the Lord. The other focuses on the counsel of the wicked. 
One is compared to a tree and the other is compared to chaff. And one is described as blessed. That's how, that's the first word is the word blessed. But the other is like the last word will perish. One path leads to blessing. One path leads to death. And so we're going to pray this morning for our students and for our teachers that they would walk on the path that leads to blessing. The first word there is blessed. That means to have the favor of God and fulfillment in your life. We're going to pray that our teachers and our students, as they begin the school year, would experience God's favor and would also experience fulfillment in their work and in their studies and in their relationships. So really, we're going to pray along two lines. Students and teachers, listen up. Here's the lesson. The first thing is we are going to pray for where your feet go. For where your feet go. The path on which you will take. Notice in Psalm, uh, in, in Psalm 1 how there are three verbs. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. There is walking, and there is standing, and then there is sitting. So imagine that this is the seat of scoffers. This is the seat of someone who decides, I don't believe in God, I'm not going to follow his law, I'm going to have it my own way. The person who sits in this seat says, I am in charge, and I am not going to live for God. And every day, students and teachers are going to make a decision. Am I going to walk in the way of the cross? Am I going to take up my cross and follow Jesus? Am I going to delight in the law of God? Or am I going to walk in the counsel of the wicked? And notice how the psalm is progressive. There's walking. I'm not sitting, I'm, but I'm walking in the general area. And I can, I can spend a little bit of time walking, following Jesus, and I'll walk a little bit in the counsel of the wicked. Many of us, I mean, this is my testimony. I spent a lot of time in high school, sometimes walking, following Jesus, sometimes walking in the counsel of the wicked. But if you walk in the area long enough, you're eventually going to stand there. You're going to stand in the way of sinners. You see that in your text? Don't walk in the counsel of the wicked, because if you walk in the counsel of the wicked, you're going to end up standing in the way of sinners. And before you know it, you're going to end up sitting in the seat of scoffers. You're going to end up rejecting all that God is and all of the blessing that comes from following him. And so our call this morning and our prayer for students and teachers is that they would walk in a way that honors the Lord, walk in the way of the cross, not in the seat of scoffers or the counsel of the wicked or the way of sinners. So, what do we want to do? We want to delight in the law of God, as it says here in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. We want to make sure that our students and our teachers have a, a framework, a biblical worldview through which to discern what is false and what is true. We want, we want our students and our teachers to understand that, they, that God is creator, that he made all of everything that's around us, and that he made us. And that we have dignity and worth, not because of how smart we are or how popular we are, but we have dignity and worth because we're made in the image of God. And we want them to have that rock-solid reality to, to define and determine the course of their life, to understand the difference between male and female, to understand God's intention for sexuality within the protective context of marriage. We want our students and our teachers to understand the, the beauty and the sanctity of life. We want to pray for these things. 
that they would delight in the law of God. How does someone delight in the law of God? It says at the end of verse 2, and on his law he meditates day and night. This isn't like Eastern meditation where you empty your mind. No, this is filling your mind with the truth of God's word. So teachers, students, hopefully you already have it, but you'll definitely get it on Tuesday morning. You're going to get a timetable. You're going to get a course schedule. You're going to find out this is when I have math or this is when I have phys ed. My question is, what's in your timetable in terms of I'm, not, I'm, I'm learning phys ed from, you know, Mr. Smith and, 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 and Miss, Miss Peterson is, is teaching me uh, math over here. Well, listen, when, when are you being taught by Jesus? When is meditating on the word of God part of your weekly, daily routine? Loved ones, we need it more than ever. Moses told young Joshua advice to, a, to someone who was up against an, an immeasurable challenge. He said, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Loved ones, we don't merely need the Bible to shape our worldview. We need the Bible to shape our character. Because there is opposition that is coming there, but there are also opportunities. And without character, opposition just becomes defeat. But with character, opposition becomes an opportunity which leads to victory, which leads to to prosperity and success. The favor of God, the blessing of God. So every day, loved ones, every day, students and teachers, we got to... We got to make a choice. Am I going to walk in the way of sinners? Or am I going to delight myself in the law of God? Am I going to live my life for Jesus Christ and allow allow him and his truth to determine not only my worldview, but also my character? So we want to pray for where your feet go, the path, your route, the route that you take. But we also want to pray for your roots, where your fruit grows, where your feet go and where your fruit grows grows or how your fruit grows. Verse three says, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. The metaphor here is that we are a tree. The word of God is living water and we need to plant our roots near near the streams of living water and the result is that we would produce fruit, that we would have spiritual health in our lives. Spiritual health in our lives. And then how do we define fruit? What does fruit look like in our lives? Here's four just New Testament categories for fruitfulness. There's repentance and worship and obedience and dependence. The, the first time a fruit occurs in the New Testament is in the context of repentance. John the Baptist is telling people in, jo- in Luke chapter 3 verse 8, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Repentance means to turn. It means that we used to be walking in the way of sinners, 
But now we've had our eyes open to Jesus and his way. And so we've turned from the way of sinner and and now we are walking in the way of Jesus. So there is fruit that is born when we turn away from sin and begin to live the way that God has intended us to live. Once we turn, once we stop worshiping ourselves and delighting in sin, we start to delight ourselves in God which is the second area of fruit in the New Testament, which is worship. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. That that we, we want to produce fruit of worship and praise and adoration of God. But we don't just want to honor God with our mouths, we want to honor him with our whole lives, which leads to obedience. That's the third New Testament fruit truth. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. The the good works that we produce when we repent from our sin and worship Jesus, that's fruit. And that fruit leads us to know God more. It's about a relationship with him. And then of course you knew I was going to go here, right? Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But loved ones, we can't do this on our own. We can't produce this type of fruit in and of ourselves. And this is why the fourth aspect of fruit is vitally important, and that's dependence. Dependence on Jesus. If we try to turn away from the way of sinners on our own without relying on Jesus we're not going to be able to produce any fruit. Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So loved ones, we're praying for the way that your feet go. And then we're also praying for how your fruit grows. That these these truths of repentance, worship, obedience, and dependence would be evident in your life. The psalmist continues in verse 4. It says, the wicked are not so. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Some of you are wondering, well, what is chaff? Well, chaff is the opposite of this deeply rooted, strong tree. Here's Here's the Psalm 1 imagery. This is what we want to be. Notice it's not perfect, but there's fruitfulness. Why? Because it's planted so close to the stream. This is what God wants us to be. As as Isaiah says, oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. As we rely on him and depend on him, we produce fruit in season and out of season. A tree like this has seen winters and storms and hurricanes and it's still rooted because of its connection to the water source. And we want to be rooted. Chaff is the total opposite. Chaff is what, when, when farmers harvest and, and the heavy stuff in the harvest is what's nutritional and valuable. That's what they want to take to market. The chaff is the other stuff that got put into the pile when they were harvesting. And what they do is they take a winnowing fork and they throw it up in the air and let the wind blow away the chaff. Total opposite of a big solid tree. Listen, there is a lot, there is a lot that is going to be put in front of our students that is total chaff. There is a lot that our teachers will have to make a decision about this coming school year. Are they going to choose that which is firmly rooted and fruitful or are they going to choose that which is chaff, that which is useless 
and worthless. I think we should sort of create a new uh, verbal trend in our culture. Whenever we think we don't like something, whenever something's worthless or pointless, I think we should start calling it chaff, okay, kids? You're like, mom, don't make me do that. That's totally chaff, right? Okay, so if we could get that going somehow on talk tick or whatever that thing is and do a little dance and say chaff, okay, hashtag, is that still a thing? Hashtag chaff, maybe not, I don't know. Let's make chaff the thing that we say when we mean something, something that won't last. Students, are you going after, listen, don't just go after a diploma. Don't just go after popularity. Don't just go after academic success or athletic success. Go after something that lasts. Go after lasting fruit. Pay attention to where your feet go. Pay attention to how your fruit grows. Teachers, same thing. Make sure that we are living for what lasts. Verse 5 says that the wicked will not stand in judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is vitally, under, vitally important for us to understand as we begin this school year. It says here that the wicked will not stand in the judgment and sinners will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. All of us will not stand in the judgment. All of us are sinners. All of us have walked in the way of sinners. We've, we, we've, we've stood and we've sat in the seat of scoffers. There is only one person who could be described as the blessed man of Psalm 1, and his name is Jesus Christ. And none of us deserve to stand in the judgment, but because he stood in our place, he withstood the judgment that we deserve and suffered and died on the cross. And so when we start the school year, listen, I don't want you to get it twisted, okay? Whether you're homeschooling or Catholic school or public school or private Christian school, we're not talking in sort of this us versus them mentality, because we're not talking like we're somehow better than people who make another educational choice within the church. And we're certainly not saying that we're better than, than the people who we are studying alongside at a public school or a Catholic school. No, no, no. We're not better. We're just forgiven. And we have the message of grace. That we know that we all deserve judgment. That, but Jesus withstood the judgment on our behalf. And so loved ones... The idea here, as we're praying for where our feet go and how our, and how our fruit grows, we're not just praying about being on the defensive. We're actually praying about being on the offensive. We're going to remember this morning, after we have three sessions of prayer, we're going to remember Christ suffering for us. And wouldn't it be amazing that if, 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 if we leave this place ready to take our schools or our home schools or our Catholic schools or our private schools by storm for Jesus, wouldn't it be amazing if a few months from now we would have a, our baptism tank set up and we would have students or teachers or colleagues who are here to say, you know what? I was walking in the way of sinners, but there was this person in my class. I had this teacher. There was this fellow student and they were going in the total opposite direction and and. And they were kind of ostracized for it, but they didn't care. They were focused on something else. And that caught my attention. And you know what? Today, I am turning from the way of the wicked. And I am getting on the path of following Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be amazing? We're going to pray to that end. That, listen, this is a, a season of unprecedented opposition. But it's also a season of unprecedented opportunity. And so we're going to pray that we would be able to bring the message of the gospel to fellow colleagues as teachers, to students among teachers and 
students.